0: All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Active Measures with Dustin Mascaro. I am, of course, Dustin, and I haven't seen you all in a few weeks. It's <laughs> It was uh, pretty crazy after the election, of course, and uh took a couple weeks off from doing all this and moving into a new house and all that. So appreciate everybody's patience. We are, uh, we are back and hopefully... Uh, I'm, I'm back in the mountains for a few weeks, so I should be uh, getting some videos done here and content to you guys. So make sure you check it out, share those videos with friends. We really appreciate all the channel growth we've had over the last couple of weeks and months. That's been uh, pretty incredible to witness. Thank you again for the support. And with that, what are we gonna talk about today? Well, first we're gonna talk about a story over from Fox News. Uh, of course, our our good friends, friend of the show, Fox News, uh, they they have a they have a note about uh, Nina who uh, has registered as a foreign agent. Uh, no surprise, and if you recall who that individual is, uh, should make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. But we're going to take a look at what her organization is doing, and uh, and some interesting some interesting details I was able to dig up this morning before uh, before hitting the record button here, and then also. Uh if we have time at the end I guess we'll see. It's uh we we have some stuff from Politico kind of talking about the elections and we'll do a little political talk here cuz I always enjoy politics. It's my full-time job, um not just the disinformation piece. So All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh first let me get it pulled up here. Okay, so the White House's uh so-called former disinformation Czar, uh, many of you recall, named Nina Jankowicz has been registered as a foreign agent. This comes from uh, Bradford Betts over at Fox News. He's one of their Fox News digital guys kind of kind of playing uh, top billing with uh, Brooke Singman and Bradford Betts every morning if you're looking at Fox News every single day. Those are the two names you're most likely to see and uh, you know they write they write pretty interesting stuff. I, uh, I reached out to Brooke Singman a few years ago about uh, the 2016 election interference thing and how uh, we, as the U.S. Army, knew <laughs> knew exactly what Russia was doing on Facebook with regards to meme warfare and things like that, and uh, and our government chose to do nothing about it. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I mean that's the headline. The headline kind of spells it out. There's not really a whole lot of other details. Um, Says so she was recently uh, required to register as a foreign agent after working for a nonprofit. Uh, based in the United Kingdom here, there's, uh, there's old Mary Poppins herself. Um, Fox News Digital says that registration documents show that Nina Jankowitz is now <laughs> working for the Center for Information Resilience. I think we were able to find some of those same documents as well. Maybe not the same ones that old Bradford had access to, but these are the ones we were able to find. Uh, tax filings are uh, unavoidable for everyone, regardless of what business or, or industry you're in. So <clears throat> let's see. Uh, according to their website, and we'll we'll go to the website here in a second, ladies and gentlemen, so don't 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 worry, we're gonna look at them directly. Um they say that they're an independent nonprofit social-based enterprise. Dedicated to countering disinformation and exposing human rights abuses and combating online behavior harmful to women and minorities. Now, the part where they talk about disinformation and then specifically combating online behavior harmful to women—not uh, necessarily minorities, but to women in particular—is uh, is Nina Jankowicz's lane. She wrote a book on it, I think, in 2017 or two, or two, you know, round, roundabouts there, a uh, couple of years after maybe, and it was uh, specifically focused on online harassment of women on social media in particular. So uh, not that it's a completely invalid field. you know, those of you who remember uh, events like Gamergate and things like that where uh, women were you know targeted online for for being female and then uh, it had other repercussions in the lives and then a big ripple effect across many industries. but um, so that's what that's what she studies. okay. I think she's kind of a kind of a goofball, but we'll we'll get into more of that and and why I think that she is a goofball here in a second. Uh, now this was uh, founded by a British guy named Adam Rutland, and then also a, a dual national of the United States and Britain, uh, individual named Ross Burley. Now Ross Burley is the name that we see signed to many of the uh, official documents and filings with the British government that we're going to look at here in a second. Uh, hopefully I have these, hopefully I have them all in order here, but. Uh, I find this stuff immensely fascinating because just a, just a few months ago, this lady uh, this lady was going to be the head of the disinformation governance board here in the United States. And knowing uh, that this is a pretty small community of individuals, like if you look at the if you look at really the names and in influence operations, right? You have kind of the kind of the mainstream names like Nina Jankowicz and uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and you know people who manage social media companies, and to a lesser extent, some personalities inside of the government. Uh, and then you get kind of down to the kind of the kind of the B tier or, or uh, Uh, B and C tier of, of people in the influence operations game. Who are those folks? Well, those are the people actually behind the scenes making a difference. Those are your, uh, combatant commanders or, uh, the, you know, the people who are working in the, uh, in the IO offices or, or fusion cells, whatever they're calling them at the, uh, at the combatant command level now. Uh, and there's, you know, a few personalities, a few, uh, O6s and a few, uh, light colonels. And then of course some E8s and E9s trickling around. And then there's guys like me who are completely out of the game, uh, but still over here playing armchair quarterback and, uh, and, and, <laughs> and, relentlessly, uh, spamming decision makers, uh, with with what I think the the best course of action is because I think our government is a uh, uh, very risk averse to the extent where we are no longer effective and you know individuals like Nina Jankowitz kind of kind of lend credence to that argument because they couldn't even her, her her past was so was so uh cratered with disaster after disaster and professional embarrassment after professional embarrassment that she uh, was not ultimately able to take over something that is, you know, arguably in the best interest of the United States, not necessarily how the Disinformation Governance Board was going to be uh, put into effect under the current administration, but the, the idea of some sort of government entity, um, you know, perhaps like the Active Measures Working Group, uh, the namesake of the show, more or less, that the State Department and the, uh, the Public Information Office used to run back in the 1980s under Ronald Reagan until... Uh, until uh, Clinton shut it down in the early 1990s that was their old job it was to combat disinformation uh, it's so simple you know everybody's looking for a for an evaluation bullet they want to make sure that they have the uh, the best possible the best possible evaluation they can have year on year out so what do they do they invent new things that are uh really overly complicated have too many moving pieces and do not fulfill the core function which they were designed to fulfill uh long story short that's Nina Jankowitz but she's working for these folks over here all right so we know about that um, how are they funded they're funded in part by grants from the UK government uh, including the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office now why does that matter that matters because uh, some of the projects that this organization has been undertaking and we'll take a look at some of them uh, here in a second I keep keep burying the lead here but we ought to just get over to it um, they uh, they do a lot of work in Africa in particular and uh, you know so the the government of Great Britain or United Kingdom they have a uh, they have an interest in funding some of those projects, much like you would see our own State Department funding development projects through either USAID uh, or, you know, in a more asymmetric route, the Defense Depart- Department uh, funding various projects, you know, building wells all over Afghanistan and things like that. Uh, there was a there was a, co- a dollar cost associated with all those activities and uh and it wasn't for you know combat operations it was for other types of activities special operations in particular uh anyway so it matters what pot of money that comes from not to get too in the weeds so let's see Mm-mm-mm. so this is nina jankowitz so we're over now on the center for information resilience if you're listening to the audio version uh, make sure you check out the links in the description below of course and if you're watching on youtube You can follow along, click around, read about this stuff on your own. Um, This is uh, at least the most recent publication that I see on their website from Nina Jankowitz. It's from September 23rd. Uh, And so, you know, for all of us to just now be picking up on the news that she's involved with this organization, all right, maybe we're a little slow on the uptake and I should have been checking LinkedIn a little more often to see what my network updates were doing. (laughs) But uh, neither here nor there. so Nina Jankowicz's uh, latest publication from the Center for Information Resilience, spelled center R-E, because it's British. <laughs> um, this, is, this will give you a little insight into why I have the opinion of, of Nina that I do. Um, headline, announcing the Hypatia Project, combating gendered abuse and disinformation. Now she writes, during Kamala Harris's historic vice presidential campaign, she faced a torrent of online abuse and lies uh, that claimed or, which claimed, uh, she, quote, slept her way to the top. Uh, it was true that she was involved with a, with a politician senior to her and having an extramarital affair, but I guess that's disinformation. So, online abusers also claim Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand was secretly transgender. And then, critics of India's President Narendra Modi have also been targeted by a torrent of hate and even deep fake pornography. Um, I will note, I don't want to click on that link cause I didn't click on it before the show. Um, so I don't know what, I don't know what we'd be getting ourselves into, but, uh, you know, it could be like a Pornhub link or something like that. Uh, this is a family show more or less. <laughs> so we'll keep it that way. Um, we, we have talked about in deepfakes before that there is a there is a great concern that could be used for uh, pornography, essentially. Um, and and that was uh, at the time when the Hunter Biden laptop uh, information first came out. There was a lot of accusation and speculation, not necessarily on the mainstream networks, but uh, online and then in in conversations with some of the people who are on mainstream networks. So they weren't having them on air, but off air, there was a concern that this was going to be deepfakes. And then you have 50 former national intelligence and general officers. Officers and blah, blah 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 signing this letter saying it is Russian disinformation. They didn't make the claim that some of the content in there was deep fakes, but it was heavily implied. Um, of course, they, they they wouldn't make the claim, but um, during yeah, so she talks about Germany's recent election against uh, Annalena Baerbach and uh, who's the I don't remember who the other guy was um, offhand. I've I kind of my attention has been elsewhere in our own politics. Yep. Yeah, so. Video game streamers have had SWAT teams show up at their doors, called in after online abusers identified their addresses and called in fake threats to their homes, as Liz Truss settles into the role of UK Prime Minister, which she's no longer in the role, so this didn't age very well. Um, she is undoubtedly facing similar attacks. I wonder I, if Nina's still on Twitter and she's not private account, I should go check and see sometime if she's uh, if she commented on Liz Truss's resignation and if it had anything to do with sexism or, or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm sure she made that argument because it's perfectly on brand for this awesome She has no real background in, in, in information operations, right? Like I keep saying it and I'll say it again. There's only like there's like three schools. There's like three schools in the entire in the entirety of the government that actually teach you how to do information operations, who teach you how to do um, psychological warfare, who teach you how to do psychological operations and engage in those types of activities. And and I'll get to get to more of that on this. We'll look at their job postings, they're quite interesting so um you know uh, I give I give her a six out of 10 on writing style these are these are very short sentences it's not um, they this is filed under the the uh, the organization's uh, projects folder so this is what they consider to be deep dive uh, research projects what is this really it's probably a 1500 word um, commentary piece on that women get bullied online all right I don't know it doesn't seem doesn't seem that great to me. Um, It not only affects high-profile women, but ordinary citizens weighing whether to take on public-facing positions or to make their voices heard online or off, with lots of extra spaces in between. So it perpetuates gender inequalities in societies around the world. Uh, You guys gotta get away from that justification button to learn how to write better, and if you need to add a few extra words in to make your stuff look pretty, do so. All right. I say that as a guy who has taken his website publicly, uh, taken it off from, uh, from any public presence because I've been working on it for, for months in the background. But, uh, so uh, she has researched gendered disinformation and abuse since 2017. Kagda women in Ukraine and Georgia, told me how in the course of their democratic activism, they were targeted by accounts that appeared to be Russian in origin. Ooh, the Russian boogeyman. All right. They were sexualized and became the subject of lewd rumors, and uh, which diminished. I, I can't say that. Like, if you've, ever, if you've ever taken a Journalism 101 course, every time you or Public Relations, every time you take the word that uh, and you find it in your text, take it out. If you have to, you know, for the purposes of the English language, use some kind of word in between, which is often preferable to that. All right. She documented how Russia, China, Iran targeted women journalists or female journalists uh, with what is a woman right uh with similar narratives and attempts to undermine their credibility and bully them out of reporting the truth and about events in those countries so um this is of course her big her big uh, thing that she's she's sticking on she's just really worried about women getting bullied online. Um, they have an Afghan Witness Project it found a significant increase in online harassment of disinformation uh, targeting Afghan women rights activists following the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. That's not necessarily disinformation. That's more just like uh, that's more just uh, public information efforts by the Taliban government. And you know they're pretty savvy online when it comes to social media. So um, I don't think that you'll find that female or women's rights in Afghanistan have ever been of particularly high priority to the afghans uh even dating back to the 1950s when some of the cities like kabul and and jalalabad and Assad, or not assadabad but jalalabad uh kabul and and kandahar city they you know harat city to to a greater extent i guess because of their proximity to iran um they yeah women walked around the streets without burqas on and things like that and uh the folks who did not live in the urban centers found that the uh, found that the uh, the hedonism occurring inside their cities was uh, was unacceptable and that you know it was largely culturally why in the background. Pashtuns were able to take over uh, and dominate dominate the countrysides and eventually the cities. And, uh, you know, with the help of the United States, kick the Soviets out and then take over the government. So that's a, that's a long story short on what happened there. <laughs> quick, quick 50, 60 years in Afghanistan uh, females, <laughs> female rights were considered an abomination from, from the way back when. So, um, yeah, sexualized narratives. So, eh, dude, I can't, I can't keep reading it. Um, this, this is, uh, this is the, uh, a little bit about the, uh, Hypatia, the, who taught in ancient Agora or public square, and she was silenced because of her prominence in today's digital public square online mobs target women and other marginalized groups in an attempt to silence them. And there's a picture, I guess, of, uh, an artist rendition of what this, uh, what this lady might have looked like um, and so through research and training the Hypatia project at the Center for Information Resilience seeks to this is her whole purpose in life ladies and gentlemen we finally got into it down here at the very end of the uh, at the very end she had to she had to tell you how much she cares about women and disinformation for i don't know 800 900 words or so lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess ah in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then we're going to end with three bullet points. This is probably what was in her job description or contract document whenever she signed it. It says uh, her job is to further document and understand networked online abuse and the causal link with offline violence Uh, building on work that the CIR pioneered in Afghanistan and Myanmar Um, I I think that's a I think they have the the relationship inverted there a little bit I think people who already had the propensity to to, toward violence against women uh, simply found access to the online the online world Um, are they encouraging each other I don't know you would make the then like logically, you would have to make the same argument for uh, any sort of any sort of online engagement or activity that translated into a real world, uh, real world, excuse me, uh, conduct or something like that. Um, equip targets of abuse with the tools they need to stay safe and hold their digital ground. And then also, they want to advocate for private and public sector policy solutions uh, to make the internet, uh, the modern global agora, safer and more civil for everyone. Um, an impossible task because there is not a First Amendment everywhere and, you know, the Agora itself didn't even have a First Amendment. So if they want to establish some sort of modern Agora in a, in a, digital, in a digital environment, then, uh, then women would, would inherently be excluded from that. So maybe find a better uh, cultural reference point to name your project after, although I know we like to look to the past. So they say their first, uh, their first public report is going to document this, uh, this relationship. Now, if you want to join the team, if that sounds good if you're a listener to the show and you and you and you think they sound like they're doing good stuff over there i'm not gonna argue with you that's fine you know go where go where the good lord tells you um you can look at the center for information's uh jobs that are available um and go over and join the team so what do they have here they have a nice uh, they have a nice difficult to navigate website uh, not not a fan Oh who do they have join our team they have a data visualization specialist a junior digital designer uh, because their website's not not that great for what they should be able to accomplish or at least how seriously people are taking this operation um, and then they have a Maltese counter disinformation analyst. So what does that mean? That's somebody who's going to be looking at Malta and looking at uh, looking at all the social strife going on there. And then they have several positions for Afghan witness programs, uh, the early, what they were calling the Afghan Witness Project and OSINT investigators, um, their early career Uzbek speakers, and then also media and engagement content creators for uh, Afghan females, which uh, sounds like a Sounds like a real waste of money, and uh, and if it's a waste of money, that means it's probably just a grift. And if it's a grift, then that means somebody's probably getting a little five or ten percent off the top somewhere along the way, regardless of how many women in Afghanistan are now able to engage safely in online uh, online activity under a Taliban government. So, pretty incredible stuff to see here. And then also they're looking for uh, Farsi and Dari translators or uh, Persian Persian Farsi and Dari. Now, uh, translators over in Afghanistan, uh, looking at the Iran angle, of course. Now I will anecdotally say that in Herat, um, it was a pretty, it was a pretty nice city, circa 2010. Uh, you know, the, the they had trash collection services uh, in the city, which was an unusual thing. Now there was one of these uh, I wanted to click on. I think it was maybe this counter disinformation analyst over. In Malta, sorry if that's visually weird. Um, They're looking for open source intelligence as well as social media intelligence gathering tools, techniques, and methodologies. Um, in order to to engage in what they call exhaustive research and deliver comprehensive reports, um, they're not going to be able to do this without a lot of money. So, how much money does this organization actually have? What's their funding looking like? What do we think? Uh, do they have millions of dollars? as you know this Fox News is not so subtly implying guy by uh, by giving them you know near top billing this morning on Fox News, uh, at least on the on the website version of it? Um, no, they're not. That's not to say that they won't. That's not to say that they are. They are not going to be uh, more impactful in the future. But um, really, this is just a way to keep a few individuals on the speaking circuit. Uh, if you look at the people who actually work at the company, um, let's see. Mm, it's not that one. It's not that one. Let me let me let me scroll back up and look at their uh, look at their who they are. Their advisors. Now, there's a few a uh, few personalities on here you may or may not recognize. That's what I'm talking about on the website, not being very well designed is that it's one single page. So every tab, every link that you click on doesn't, doesn't take you to a new page. It just takes you uh, down the, down the existing page, which there's no reason to do that. We have, we have unlimited, we have unlimited pages, you guys. All right, so let's start at the beginning. Uh, first individual is Elizabeth Bra, who is a resident fellow, um, at the american enterprise institute where she focuses on defense against hybrid and gray zone threats uh gray with an e all right that's a that's a that's a british thing i guess she is also a columnist with foreign policy magazine and a member of the national preparedness commission over in the united kingdom and before joining the american enterprise institute she was a senior research fellow um and blah 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 worked in worked on worked on <laughs> she was a journalism for swedish newspapers um, she regularly contributes to Politico, Financial Times, The Wall Street Journal, and of course, The Times of London. So, um, those are any any and many avenues by which uh, individuals from this Center for what? Are they? God, I keep forgetting their name because it's so terrible. Center for Information Resilience. Yeah. That's uh, that's where they come from. That's how they interject their ideas and and essentially their their uh, spin on 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 public goings-ons and get it into the information environment and get people to uh, change the way that they're thinking. So are they engaging in psychological operations? Yes. Are they engaging more uh, in public relations? Yes. And why do I say that? Well, because they're technically a public relations entity. Um, they are considered a nonprofit, but the services that they provide are largely focused on um, are largely focused on on uh, public relations and advocacy type activities, similar to what you would see a 501c4 having here in the United States. Is focused on public education or advocacy of a of an issue. That's how a lot of political money gets tossed around. Um, I looked up. I look. I went over to the British government's website. You know, Britishgovernment.com, and. Uh, and i looked at i looked at this organization's filings kind of like you can do with a business registry here in the united states i encourage people to get familiar with this process i'm not going to i'm not going to include this link in particular uh because it is to to a government website and it's like you're you're mid you're midstream in a search and i don't know if it'll populate for you guys as well Um, but i will include these uh these other these other uh, links for you guys. So um, this is their Community Interest Annual Report. It's a required filing uh, year ending in June 30, 2021 um, for England and Wales, and it's their company number. This is the official registration that they have with the government. Um, let's see, it's kind of hard to read. We're gonna have to scroll back and forth. Let me zoom out a little bit. So uh, it says that the Center for Information Resilience is an independent nonprofit social enterprise. Dedicated countering disinformation, human rights abuses, exposing human rights abuses, and combating online behavior harmful to women and minorities. So same thing we saw Fox News, which is why I think which is why I think Bradford Betts probably found the same document, or at least something similar to it. So they were founded in June of 2020. Here in the financial year of June 2020, uh, they were focused on training, mentoring, and research supporting to over 80 Kenyan and Nigerian journalists on how to identify misinformation and disinformation surrounding the COVID-19. Uh, surrounding COVID-19. They don't call it the, it's just COVID-19. Conducted research and developed communications, communications interventions, uh, designed to build the resilience of vulnerable groups uh, to extremist and disinformation narratives. So blah, 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 blah. Um, So that's that's a background about what they've done. That's what they're officially telling the British government. Uh, They're talking about the director's remunerations, or... Yeah, man. Do we spell it different here in America? Is it remuneration? Remuneration? I tell you, there's a reason why we're no longer one country. (laughs) They don't know how to spell over there. Okay, so uh, they say he got $900, or 900 pounds, excuse me, um, for identical work delivered to the HM government by the directors, and uh, directors in their companies as described above during the financial year, 30 June 2021, was... 380,000 pounds so um, you know around around five hundred thousand dollars is how much they have kicking around and transfer of assets they had 157 pound charitable donation um, it looks like they're they're doing an ev- anything and everything at least at this point in time to make sure that they are on the right side of where their document filings need to be um, there was one other one that I wanted to look at here Um Total exemption of yeah full accounts. So this is this is how much money uh, they had at least as of June of last year. So you know likely they've made more money in the in the following year. Uh, now that Nina Jankowitz and some uh, Thomas uh, what's his name? He used to be the president of Estonia. Um, Thomas Thomas Hendrik Ilv Ilvs something like that. I don't know. I don't speak Estonian. and Nobody else does. Oh, it's so visually just taxing to watch that thing scroll. Um, where was he? Yep, 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 The usual suspects. All right. So, Tumas, excuse me, uh, Tumas Ilves, he used to be the, uh, the president of Estonia, or the uh, foreign minister of Estonia, yep, 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 guided them through the EU and accession process for NATO. Interesting stuff. All right. Let me get back over to this is uh, this is their this is their books right. This is their this is their financial information from at least uh, June two thousand twenty to June two thousand twenty one. Um, they don't have very much money. Uh, that's why, you know, people are freaking out about them, but they're, what are they doing? They're paying, they're paying these personalities to keep their faces on their website and, uh, and, and write some articles a few times a year, stay engaged on the public speaking circuit. And that's about it. It's really, uh, just, just something to, for these folks to keep on their resumes or their CVs until they, until they get back inside the government, uh, you know, be it a, be it a, a national government or like a super government, like the EU. All right, uh, where's their money? Uh, so at the end of at the end of June of two thousand twenty-one, they were in the hole around twenty-one thousand um, pounds. They had uh, one hundred eighty-three thousand pounds cash on hand. What does that do? Well, it basically just makes payroll every month. Um, current assets looks like looks like their ter- current total assets are three hundred fifty-seven thousand pounds, and then they were in the hole three hundred eighty thousand pounds, roughly. Um, or that's what their their debts and, and various commitments were. That's everything from payroll to renting renting spaces and paying paying various vendors, whatever, whatever, whatever. So they're operating at a loss, uh, Nonprofits nonprofits and, and organizations like this can can operate at a loss for many, many years and, uh, and nobody will look twice and the reason why is because, well, they're not supposed to be making a profit. So if they end the year with more cash on hand than they started, then that means that they got to dig a little deeper and what are they doing with this? What are they doing with the interest? Where is the money sitting? What, what you know, all these questions get brought up. So they're going to operate at a loss. It's uh, no surprise there. Those of you who are contractors out there, you don't want to pay taxes. So that means you get new computers every year, right? Uh, or power tools, or or a new truck, or you know whatever whatever you do to not pay taxes. It's no it's no different overseas. Um, Yep, it's just compliance statements. I looked at this earlier. Uh, really, really looking at the amount of money that they had for their for their initial year, uh, average number of employees. So they don't have any employees listed uh, in 2021. That may mean that they're just organizing for uh, their first real year of efforts this year. And you know, and it may have taken 300,000 pounds or or 500,000 dollars roughly. Um, <laughs> for them to be able to get these personalities on board and say hey look we're going to guarantee you you know uh, 15 uh, 15 you know major media publication articles every every quarter every 6 months or whatever whatever frequency these individuals want and we're going to give you you know here's your per diem to go conduct this so-called research on on uh, online harassment of women in Afghanistan uh, things like that all right, so it looks like they're, uh their trade debtors. They had uh, twenty thousand dollars to vendors, and then uh, prepayments and accrued income, one hundred and thirty thousand pounds, and then other debtors around thirty thousand um, pounds. Yeah, so it's it's all it's all pretty pretty straightforward stuff. I'm not. I don't feel. I don't feel like sitting here in my in my little in my little my little rogue uh, my little rogue psyop my little rogue psyop operation that I run here. Uh, you know, publicly and and behind the scenes that that, uh, that we need to be worried about this. I think what you need to be concerned about is it's like, okay, well, where are they getting published? It's the New York times. It's, um, it's Politico. Of course, it's the wall street journal. It's many of these organizations, they get interviews on mainstream media networks, uh, et cetera, and so on and so forth. Uh, but is that, is that something you need to be concerned about? No, but keep it in the back of your mind. Whenever you hear that organizations like the center for information resilience, uh, coming from coming from overseas or involving you know once fairly high profile personalities like Nina Jankowitz uh, that it is it is uh, something that should should raise uh, raise your suspicions about you know whenever this individual is is sitting here on MSNBC or CNN giving an interview about the current information environment with regard to elections or disinformation or anything like that uh, that you that you take it with a grain of salt and you know that not only Nina Jankowitz in particular uh, has her own political ideology that she is trying to advance by appearing on certain certain and selected networks by sticking to certain talking points, but also that they are doing work at the behest of a foreign government. Now, it doesn't matter if that government is an allied government or not. Um, you know the Brits may be our friends in times of conflict and crisis, but there is still a competition occurring between these nations, uh, largely in the information and intelligence space. There are many personalities inside of the British government that have a more liberal worldview even than that of our own leftist politicians here in the United States, and they of course want old glory to uh, to come along uh, once again with the Union Jack and uh, and and you know have some sort of totalitarian government. Recall that London is one of the most surveilled, if not the most surveilled city in the world. They do not have a First Amendment in the United Kingdom. There is no right uh, to say what you want online. There's been many reports of individuals who have been arrested for, uh, uh, you know, pardon the pardon the term, but shit posting online, uh, and and uh, and just you know making fun of other people online for having ideas that deserve, or frankly, should be made fun of uh, because they don't hold up to any other scrutiny. And those individuals have found themselves in handcuffs, being arrested by local constables in the United Kingdom for online posting. So uh, they want the same thing here in the United States. That's no no surprise. We know that there's often a question of if we have something like the disinformation governance board come back to prominence here in the United States, whatever entity uh, or form it may be taking inside of the Department of Homeland Security, because recall just a couple of episodes ago, those authorities didn't ever go away, just the personalities and funding for that individual directorate did, but other organizations and entities and directorates within the Department of Homeland Security are still able to use a lot of the same authorities, rules, and new tool sets that were going to be uh, used by the Disinformation Governance Board. So. Uh blah, 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 blah. Uh, keep an eye out on, on what's going on for the next couple of years. We know that the current administration is gonna have a lame duck government. Uh, they have a lame duck Congress right now. They went back to work today, I guess. Uh, so we're all back to work now. And uh, we'll save the political talk for next time, ladies and gentlemen. I'll hopefully get an episode out here in the next couple of days. Take a look at what Congress is going to do over the uh, over the preceding, uh, co- or the uh, the preceding following couple of months here before a new Congress is sworn in, as well as uh, what some of the Republican goals are inside of Congress and, and take a look in retrospect, I, I haven't I haven't done any of the uh, any of the, the counts yet because we're still like waiting on Georgia, uh, and I know that in Arizona there's a, a lawsuit going on uh, for the governor's race there. So we'll see if any of those things change. I don't necessarily I don't necessarily believe that any of them really will change uh, major outcomes. Do I think Do I think Herschel Walker is going to win in Georgia? Uh, I don't know. Republicans are really bad at showing up for special elections, and uh, and Raphael Warnock won uh, won that way last time over Kelly Loeffler. So. You know, not looking good. Herschel Walker should have been a should have been a House candidate, not a Senate candidate. Uh, there's no reason they should have taken David Perdue off the map there for that one. But um, you know, neither here nor there. I don't make those decisions, and I'm not not involved with in those campaigns. So uh, there's your there's your disclaimer and, and required legal statement from me. Uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, be well. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I'll be there in the comments, of course, to to talk to everyone.